prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, living legend Christopher Lloyd going strong at 82 with two new movies and a TV series. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Well, every once in a while, I get a chance to talk to somebody that really holds a special place in the life of young Josh Horowitz. And if you're listening to this, you probably have also grown up to a degree with Christopher Lloyd in your life, in your pop culture life. Certainly, I I really don't have a memory of pop culture <laughs> without Christopher Lloyd uh, holding a special place. So this was a real treat. Christopher Lloyd... As I said, he's 82, but shows no signs of slowing down. I caught up with him. Um, I believe he was back home in Santa Barbara, but gearing up for a a, uh, a giant undertaking, actually. He's about to play King Lear in the Berkshires this summer, which is amazing to think, um, and has so much going on. He has a film with William Shatner. Yes, Star Trek fans, a reteaming of Star Trek III, The Search for Spock. Of course, we get into that. Don't worry. Uh, he has a movie with uh, Bill Shatner called Senior Moment. He has a new movie with Bob Odenkirk. You've probably heard of called Nobody, which is kind of a, a, a cool um, John Wick-esque um, action revenge movie. Uh, and he also has a, for the Back to the Future geeks out there, and who isn't one, Expedition Back to the Future on Discovery Plus uh, is a real treat because it's Christopher Lloyd essentially playing both himself and Doc Brown um, as he and the host kind of go on this adventure to find the, um, the DeLoreans of Back to the Future. Uh, I watched the first episode of that, and it's, it's a lot of fun because it has cameos from all of the Back to the, Futures, uh, Back to the Future folks in it. So um, that's a treat. So check all of those things out. And I hope you guys enjoy this, this conversation with Chris Lloyd because he's somebody that... Um, you know, he's kind of like Chris Walken, right? He's kind of like one of those guys that there's nobody quite like Chris, Christopher Lloyd. He's got that aura about himself. He's got the, the the line readings are a little bit off and unique and different. He's not like, he's a character actor who can play the villain, who can play the kind, you know, father. Um, but there's always something interesting going on. And, and we cover a lot in this conversation from his beginnings in theater to his first film, I mean, this this just tells you everything you need to know about Christopher Lloyd's career. His first film was in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, guys. So he was off to the races then, and soon thereafter um, joined the cast of Taxi. Um, and from there, it's you know, it's Back to the Future. It, 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 it's 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 Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's it's Star Trek. It's so many iconic things from the '80s and '90s in particular. Um, and we hit upon most, if not all, of the ones that I certainly hold dear to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is pure Christopher Lloyd. What you see is what you get. He's kind of odd and interesting, but intellectual. Um, uh, like I say, like I said, there's no one like him. So this was, I, when, I, when this one was booked, I was really excited about it. Um, I, I tend to geek out on the ones that, that are just kind of pulled from my childhood. And, and there's no, there's no actor that is more ingrained in my in my psyche than Christopher Lloyd. So I think you guys will enjoy this one. Um, not much more I want to say as the preamble uh, this week. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying uh, the good weather here. Certainly in New York has turned, and, and you know as I've said before, it feels like there's some hope and excitement in the air as vaccinations continue, especially in the states. 
Um, I, as I say this today, I can say I'm fully vaccinated. Um, it's going to kick in the two weeks after very soon. So I'm starting to eye maybe going to the movies, maybe even going, leaving the state, <laughs> maybe getting on a plane. Who would have thunk it? So, um, you know, we all have to be safe. Still wear your masks, social distance, do all the right things. But um, it's exciting that we're able to hopefully open up our lives a little bit more and see friends and family. I have one um, recommendation this week that I really dug. It's one of the first TV series I've seen in a while that I, I just kind of really got obsessed with. I got a chance to watch the first five episodes of Mayor of Easttown. If you watch HBO, you've probably seen the promos for this one. This is, I think it's a limited series. I don't know if it's going to continue on or not. I think it's seven episodes in all. Um, it's with Kate Winslet as the lead, as a cop. And, um, you know, we've seen, we've seen, yes, we've seen dozens of these kind of like grisly serial killer mysteries with like a, a cop that's dealing with both the crime and their own fractured life. But we haven't seen one with Kate Winslet at the center of it, and she's arguably one of my top five favorite actors on the planet. And um, I was just really engrossed in this. First episode a little slow, but by the second episode, I got really into it. And by the end of the fifth episode, I was just resentful that HBO hadn't sent me the screeners for the last two. So um, I'm going to have to wait, just like the rest of you all, um, for the end. But um, look out for that one. That's premiering very soon, Mayor of Easttown. And I'm sure Kate's going to get all sorts of, you know, Emmys and Golden Globes attention for it. But um, forget the award stuff. It's just, it's an engrossing, cool um, cop show. So if, you're, if you like that sort of thing and you like great acting, look out for that. Um, okay, that's my one recommendation of the week. Let's get on to the main event. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to Happy, Sad, Confused. Uh, spread the good word. You know, we've got icons here. We've got Christopher Lloyd. What more do you want, guys? Um, I hope you enjoy this conversation. I hope we cover everything you would want. You can't, you can't cover everything in the life of an 82-year-old uh, actor who has over 230 screen credits. But I think we cover the big stuff that you would want covered in this. Um, and uh, like I said, there's no one like him. Uh, here's me and Christopher Lloyd. It's a distinct honor to have Christopher Lloyd on my uh, my silly little podcast. We've 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 classed up the joint with Mr. Lloyd. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing great. Doing great, thank you. So, um, you know, you've put me to shame. I'm I'm about half your age, but as I look at what you're up to, you've got two new films. You've got a uh, a giant movie that you've been shooting with George Clooney and Ben Affleck. You've got a TV I, series. Mm -hmm. um, I, I take it that work ethic has always been a, an important part of your life. You enjoy, you enjoy working. Well, I, I do. It, it's true. And I'm always grateful to, you know, that I have the opportunity to keep doing what I like to do. Yeah. Did you, have you already wrapped up your time with, uh, with George Clooney and uh, yes. on a tender bar? I completed that last week. And uh, that was, that was a thrill. Well, it was so great working with him and, and a wonderful cast, including Ben Affleck. And, yeah, so it's, it, uh, it was good. Not, not that I would think hopefully by now you don't need a sense of validation. You know how many people enjoy and appreciate your work over the years, but it must still be very nice when like, you know, the hot next generation of filmmakers say, uh, we, we want Christopher Lloyd as part of this oh, project. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I loved it, doing different characters and all of that. Yeah, so you, you've you've uh, 
your 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 filmography is pretty uh, is pretty overwhelming, sir. You have I think about two hundred and thirty eight credits on IMDb, not bad. Um, yeah. <laughs> have you ever had since since Cuckoo's Nest kind of launched you into film and TV? Have you ever had what you would consider a dry spell? Um, not really. I mean, when I first I, I when Cuckoo's Nest came out, uh, I got a call from an agent in uh, Beverly Hills, you know, and uh, I packed and came immediately out to LA. I signed with him. Uh, that was in 1976, so we've been together for a while. And, uh, but I more or less, you know, I, I, I did have, when I moved out to LA, about an eight month stretch where I thought I've, I've I, you know, I was beginning to get continuous work in the theater in New York, and I thought, I've blown it. I have come out here, and I'm dying here. Everything will be dead in New York. And, uh, but it, it worked itself out. When you, when you look back, like, do you feel like you've been in control of your own career over the years, or have you kind of ridden the wave of offers and just sort of like taken the best that's, that's offered to you? Like, do you? I'm always curious if actors feel like they're in control of their own Career. Yeah, I, I kind of feel that way. I, I mean, um, you know, I've, it's been paced just, I, you know, I look at everything that comes up and my agent manager show me everything that comes up and I mull it over and decide yes or no, uh, which I kind of insist upon. You know, I want, I want to know what's offered take a look at it, decide myself whether I want to do it or not. I'll take their advice, you know, and all that. Well, it's, it's your name and your face in the end on the product. So you want to control yeah, yeah. your <laughs> destiny, I suppose, right? Has your, has your process, like when you get a script changed much? Like what's the first thing you do when you decide to do a role? Do you, you know, Christopher Walken gets rid of all the punctuation uh, notoriously. Uh, do, you, do, you, yeah. do, do you have any kind of specific process when you decide you're going to start I well, the, the moment I get the script, I don't read the whole script. I just look for pages where I, my character, and then I kind of think um, what, whether, you know, if there's enough meat there to, to uh, get into, um, get someone. I, I'm interested in who the director is, whether he's a known name or not, but what, what has he done? before and, and um, yeah, and I think about it a bit. Yeah. Then I decide one way or the other. You, you, you know, we alluded to kind of this transitional period for you, which came, you know, not when you were 20 or 25, but in your mid to late thirties, you had already lived a, like a, a hell of a life seemingly here in New York where I am. You'd spent a long time in theater. Yeah. And, yeah. Had you had you resigned yourself to a life in in theater by then? Did you think it just wasn't going to happen for you in film and TV? I, I, in a sense, because I I was being set up during the sixties to uh, for films and just nothing, you know, zilch. Um, and also, I didn't feel I was pro projecting anything, um, uh, you know, that they would be interested in. <laughs> <laughs> were you getting any feedback that was like coming up in your auditions? Like what was wrong with what you were doing? What were they saying? Um, it just, it just, you know, wasn't happening. 
Uh, and I, I began to think that uh, I'm, you know, some actors don't make the bridge from theater to film. And I thought perhaps that's my destiny, you know. But then uh, Kukus Ness came to do some casting in New York. And, yeah. Um, a casting director who had been setting me up over, over time and set me up. And, I went in. And, the rest uh, is history, yeah. Yes. It's fascinating. I, I opened things up. And then a uh, uh, taxi came up. Right. Uh, after, not too long after that. Um, and that, so the, yeah. Kind of it's, it gave you all the momentum you needed. But prior to that, it's funny, when I was looking back at your career and I was just kind of like doing some research, I came across what, I don't know if you've seen this photo in forever and I can send it to your folks if you want. There's an amazing photo of you and Meryl Streep from about like 1974, I think, yes. in in The Possessed, which I believe you were doing at Yale Rep. Does that sound correct? Yeah, I, I uh, The Possessed, that, that was a fascinating production because... Um, Wida, what, what was the director's, Polish director's name? Andrzej Wida. Okay. Who was a, a very uh, touted Polish director. I think he'd gotten uh, Academy Award nominations or whatever. And a cool guy. And, and uh, uh, he was a, uh, uh, the producing director of the theater at Yale, it was a professional company that was in residence at Yale, right. working with the students from the drama department. And um, uh, Meryl Streep had been, was a student at Yale then, and she was cast in The Possessed, and we, we had some scenes together. And it, it, it was a incredible production. It's amazing um, just to think of that time in both your lives, she she was still like probably three or four years before Deer Hunter and everything kind of developed for her. I, I, you you hadn't shot presumably Cuckoo's Nest yet, and yet uh -huh. like to see the photo, there's such like a vibrancy of, of, of both youth and talent. Like you can just see it in that photo. Like there's so much there. Um, did she just kind of vibrate with excitement at the time? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, it was great. And and I did another play at Yale, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream. And she was one of the lovers in that. And then, uh, I don't know how long later, but uh, I got cast in a, in a Brecht Wilde musical going to, to Broadway called Happy End. And as the production proceeded, uh, the leading lady was replaced with Meryl. And um, so we, we had a fabulous time for Amazing. a while, a few weeks yeah. in New York doing that. So you, you mentioned that the Polish director of that play, it sounds like some, some Eastern European directors figured well into your life early on. You talk about Milos Schwarman, who I, I just positively yeah. revere all his work. And Cuckoo's Nest is obviously considered rightfully so a, a classic. Um, what did you, did you gel immediately with Milos? What was, what, why, why did actors adore Milos so much, you think? Well, he, he, very smart, and he he chose material that was extraordinary, uh, and maybe had some political um, message with it. Uh, and he was kind of radical, um, you know. He he left Czechos Czechoslovakia, and, and 
but he was just exciting to work with. He was very vibrant, vibrant, uh, vibrant, and really, you know, he just dug everything out of you. Yeah. Let's do it and get it up there. And, uh, and he was an exciting personality to be around. Yeah, it always seemed to translate into his work. I mean, I remember I was like, I think I was like 10 years old when, for instance, Amadeus came out, which on its on its face should not be for a 10 year old or be, but yet like there's so much energy and fun and humor to that work. And I feel like that was in all of his work. <laughs> Just amazing. Um, Nicholson at the time, did you have any relationship with Jack? Did you know him? What was it like to work with him at the time? I, I did not. I, I, he was an idol of mine before Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. With five easy pieces, an easy rider, the last detail, et cetera, et cetera. And I just thought he was, you know, the cat's ass or whatever. That <laughs> and, uh, great. And then Cuckoo's Nest came along and I just, I was blown away. Uh, I remember the first time I was on the set in Salem, Oregon, and there he was sitting there improvising with Danny DeVito, etc. And he was wonderful to work with. Wonderful yeah. to work. I I did a film uh, after that that he gone south. Yep, and he, he was cool. Yeah, he, he notoriously, I mean, I've actually, you know, he, as you probably know, he doesn't do interviews much. I've, I've talked to him a couple times over the years. It's such a privilege. And he's, he's one of those guys, notoriously, every actor that's worked with him, it's like, he just loves acting. Like, even if he's not in the frame, if he's on the other side of it, he'll, he'll, he'll do yeah. 150%. He just loves it. Oh, totally, totally. Um, speaking of Jack, this is a random one, but I'm just curious. I read somewhere that you were potentially up for The Shining. Did you ever talk to Kubrick? Oh. Is there any truth to that? Uh, yes, uh, I, I think he arranged, uh, discussed it with Kubrick and I uh, got the script and um, got really into it. And then, then I heard that he'd cast uh, another actor, but uh, you know, the, I, had, I had a shot, you know. It's not- And, and the other actor, he, cast in the part I was playing, which was the bartender that- Oh, this was the bartender. Oh, got it. Yeah. yeah. Lloyd, the bartender, I think, right? Lloyd. Yeah, yeah. They were Lloyd, so uh, you figure that out. <laughs> you were perfect. So did you ever get the chance to talk to Stanley? Have you ever, did you ever meet him? No, I never met him. Yeah. So on the set of, of that first film, did you, you know, we talked about that transition. Like, did you know how to act in front of a camera? Was there a learning curve in terms of- a, a little bit. I I, I tended uh, to over overemphasize, overact a little bit with my face or whatever. <laughs> and I got I got called on it, and I went back, and so that that kind of honed me to the the medium. You know, you, uh, the less is more. Less is more. Yep. You know, <laughs> the theory you gotta protect and get. Right. Well, the directors would say to the theory, the last person in the balcony has got to hear you. Right. <laughs> right. The, you mentioned, yeah, a couple short years later, you joined the cast of uh, Taxi. Um, and from what I gather, you, you know, this was a different time. This was, there was a big gap between film and TV stars and you had trepidation. Did you think, yes, this is a great gig, but this might also end my film career when you joined Taxi? I, I had a bit of an attitude that was 
New York actor's attitude that the film was tantamount to selling out. Right. I mean, not film, but I mean, series. Oh, TV, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Comic-Cons. So I had, I had a resistance to that. And in fact, I told my, my agent, uh, Bob Gersh, um, that I, I don't want to go up for series. And every once in a while, he'd send me up just he'd say, just to meet these people, because, you know, you never know in the future, you know. So, uh, and so he warmed me up, warmed my resistance up a little bit. And then he sent me the, uh, said going up for taxi, and they sent me the script. And uh, I was so glad I did. Yeah. Did you, did, did you find that, I mean, you, I assume you shot in front of a studio audience? Yes. Yeah. So, 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 so of course like that, that was yeah, like, I was going to say, so yeah, I mean, there must be a comfort level there. Like, oh, I know this, this is different, uh, but, I, but they're, yeah. And it's a comedy, it's like, like, like to hear live, live audience laugh. Yeah. Did, did, did Jim, did Reverend Jim immediately spark with the audience? I mean, it feels like that character, I mean, all, it was such an amazing ensemble, but that character in particular, it felt like the, you could feel the energy of the audience just when you appeared on, on screen. Yeah, I, I, I think that kind of stoned out kind of, whatever <laughs> you want to call it, was very popular then. I, I mean, I, it's a, I, I recognize Reverend Jim in the characters I'd met and seen walking about New York or whatever, you know. So, uh, and so many people would say, you remind me of my grandfather or <laughs> uncle. I got an uncle that's just like Reverend Jim, they'd say. And so people uh, recognized, you know, it was of the time. Right. Sure. Uh, you know, I've, I've been keeping my, my inner child in check, but if you do the math, like from like about 1984 to like 1994, I was between the ages of eight to 18. And by my count, you were in about like nine movies that like I probably saw 25 times each. <laughs> like they, like these were, these, these were the movies that defined me and in no small part are why I do what I do. So, so, so I appreciate the time today. So to, to start in that period, I'm a Star Trek fan, as you can tell from the glasses. I'm a big old nerd. Um, you you played one of the all time greats. You played maybe my favorite uh, villain in a Star Trek movie. Um, did you relish that role? I mean, he was oh, was, was delicious. He was a delicious I, villain, wasn't he? I I, I loved it. I um, it was so big, and the costume and the makeup had to go in, you know, four o'clock in the morning to Paramount to get made up. I didn't care. It just it was just. Uh, I loved it. I the Kling the Klingon language seemed to suit you. It it sounded right coming out of your in your cadence. Yeah. Well, I, I was stunned that they they had a, a dictionary about that thick of Klingonese, you know, uh, verbs, nouns, how to use in a sentence. I mean, this little you know, so it it, it was a. Uh, full language you know i've just had i've just had a brilliant money-making scheme for you christopher you should do like the rosetta stone like language course for <laughs> learning klingon yeah. i would i would buy that course i would learn klingon as taught by christopher lloyd that might be interesting <laughs> yeah. 
Let me uh... go go over it with the team. Get back to me. <laughs> but you, uh, it it, it, it um, brings us full circle. You and and William Shatner obviously have a hell of a confrontation in that. And you you worked relatively recently together. This new this film that's coming out, Senior Moment. Yeah. Um, was it fun to kind of reunite with him all these years later? Oh, absolutely. I, I felt. Uh, I, I remember when I was uh, doing the movie uh, Star Trek. Return to Spock, and people said, "Are you going to be working with with uh, I'm sorry, um, with Shat with Captain Kirk with Shatner?" Shatner, and yeah. I said, "Yeah, we have a fight scene at the end," and pe- people were just like, saying, "Good luck with that," you know, <laughs> like because uh, he has a, sort of a reputation as being volatile, dangerous. I love him. I uh, we you know we uh, we just seem to work well together so and this is this is you're saying that for a man that kicked you in the face to your death that's a pretty i know i know i mean i (laughs) doesn't mean i've forgiven him (laughs) right (laughs) on the set of senior moment did you remind him you know it's my turn to get back at you uh no i'm I'm, maybe the ideal situation will come back right (laughs) uh, i give him the boot (laughs) there's there's a certain kind of person i think and uh, that appreciates a movie like The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai, and I am that I am that person, sir. I I oh, uh, I've obsessed. I'm, I, I love that movie so much. Um, it has such an amazing cast that are all committed to such a crazy, weird yeah. tone. How did you understand what you were doing? Did it feel like a lark? Did it feel like something bizarre? Uh, I I I kind of no. I kind of understand. I mean, I had uh, there was three. Characters like me, right? Uh, Vincent Schiavelli was one of them. Okay, so we worked on Taxi. Peter Weller, uh, he and I were in a, okay uh, in a production of Macbeth at Lincoln Center. Wow. Peter, Peter, and uh, Carol Kane was oh. one of the wit- one one of the witches. And guess who the Macbeth was? Christopher uh, Christopher Walken. Wow, oh my God. <laughs> this, this production, oh, amazing. So, uh, yeah, so I've, I've worked with Peter Weller, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, we, and we were good friends. We used to hang out a lot. But yeah, Buckaroo Banzai is, is a <laughs> strange amalgamation of I don't know what. But it, it's it's uh, it's it's, it's I, somehow I, it's it, you it, want to see it again. It's 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 a comfort movie for me. It somehow works. It always has. Um, you know, I I know you've you've asked you've answered literally every question there is about Doc Brown and and Back to the Future. But it, it's worth bringing up, if only because very few movies stand the test of time, like Back to the Future and these three films. Yeah, yeah. Did, I'm just curious. I guess generally, like how much of Doc Brown was on the page and how much did you, I mean, it can't say on the page how to read a line like 1.21 gigawatts. You have, that has to be an actor's instinct that I'm going to deliver it in this certain way. Uh, <laughs> what was the inspiration for your approach to Doc Brown? I, my, my feeling was this guy is, uh, he is so excited about solving cosmic problems of one way or another. And so, of course, I thought of Einstein, and I thought of other great um, scientists and their preoccupation 
with with you know discovering this and that and and doc brown can't stop yeah but he's got himself into a situation now he's gotten gotten so deep in, into time travel and the the all that all that that he's truly worried about destroying the entire cosmos the entire universe so he's he's constantly in a panic that that, that you know if you do it wrong the space-time continuum right. collapses and we're all done for. So he has the responsibilities of mankind on his shoulders because he's got that far where now it's out there in an error, you know. So there's that pressure, but at the same time, he loves exploring, discovering new things like yeah. the plus capacitor and uh, et cetera. And he, you know, he, he I think, as I remember, he falls in the bathroom on the toilet seat and has to wear a bandage, but it gives, suddenly it shakes his brains and he figures out the flux capacitor. You know, so it's, it's, all, it's all good. Well, it's funny, yeah. I mean, I think back every scene. Yeah, the, the lines, uh, there wasn't, at least on my part, improvis improvisation. Right. You know, because the speeches had to be very specific. Right. I had to sound, uh, Bob Gale wrote it, you know, so it's, it sounded uh, scientific and all that, even though it was, you know. <laughs> Mumbo jumbo probably, but Bob, Bob and you, you made it, it sold it. Yeah. But it's funny, yeah, like, I mean, I think back, for instance, and, and, you know, infamously, it wasn't Michael at first, it was Eric Stoltz, but like the, even the physical interaction, like in the, the scene at the Twin Pines Mall where the Libyans come, et cetera, there's yeah. so much like, mania but like you running back and forth michael playing off of you there's just like a palpable physical um energy to the whole thing that just um yeah. is, is is delicious it's just and, and so bob zemeckis really knew how to keep the keep it charged and, and move it along you know yeah, totally. Has it, you know, you've obviously, you've got, for instance, this new show on Discovery Plus that I was just wow. checking out, um, Expedition. You've, you know, you've returned to the character in, in, in bits and bobs in different ways. Yeah, Has it, yeah. Do you feel like the custodian of that character? Are you protective of what you do with, with Doc Brown? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I you know, want to keep the integrity of, of, of Doc. And I was concerned about that with, with the uh, Expedition yeah. Thing. Um, but I think we worked it out okay. You know? Oh, it's yeah, it's a very charming show and it's 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 got the whole gang back together in different ways. It's really I know. sweet I know. to see. Cool. Yeah. And not to mention helping raise some money for for Michael J. Fox's amazing yeah. foundation. Absolutely. Yeah. Um you have you gotten how many bizarre like requests have you gotten over the years regarding Doc Brown? Like have you been asked to officiate weddings? I don't think so. Really? Uh, wait a minute. I was invited to a school, boarding school, um, in Upper New York State to deliver their uh, commencement address or whatever. Oh, in character? <laughs> I declined because I thought, what am I going to say? I, I, you know, these are kids are looking for, but, you know, and I got a, a letter from one of the uh, girl students admonishing me for not accepting it. 
So, you know, I don't <laughs> Are do you, do you support Bob and the two Bobs, Zach Zemeckis and Gail, in terms of they are super protective? You know, they've been very adamant yeah, that there's yeah, never yeah. going to be another sequel or a reboot. Um, it's one of the few kind of franchises that really has been left alone. Um, does that? Yeah. Are, does that make you happy or in some heart of hearts? I, I mean, I totally get it because the trilogy is by the end of the third uh, film, it's a complete story yeah. in itself. Um, there's no loose ends. It's all come together and that's that. And I, 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 I could understand just leave it alone. Let's move on. You know, well, it, I, 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 entertain the thought that maybe if somebody comes up with an idea for number four that was just you just couldn't put it down they might say okay yeah well it's in some ways i'm yeah i'm, I'm of two minds that there's nothing i'd love more than to see all you guys back together again but at the same time in this age where literally every beloved property has been rebooted and sequelized now back right. to the future is the special one now it's the one that like is pristine and will never, never change. Right. Yeah, that only helps the legacy in a way. Um, it's all good. Was uh, was Clue appreciated in its time? It has become such a cult movie. Was it? I know. I I I. It didn't do fabulously when it opened up here. Yeah, I understand that in England it it was had a much stronger uh, fan base right away. Yeah, it's kind of that kind of game or whatever. But it, you know, I when I go to Comic Cons and people bring up stuff to sign, Clue is always up there, the top, the top one. You know, it's just, and it's I think it's even getting stronger in a way. It's it's, yeah. it's uh, it just hangs in there. And I it was an incredible cast. I was going to say that ensemble is an all star. Yeah, it's uh, funny to see. Yeah, when you look at your career, like the ones that stand out are these. Whether it's Taxi, Back to the Future, these are One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. You look at the ensemble; that's the common denominator. It's like so well cast throughout. That Taxi, you know. So, so the the next collaboration was Zemeckis is of course, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which, um, you know, Judge Doom, again, one of the all-time great uh, baddies. Um, only Zemeckis could make that movie. At the time, it was probably the most audacious project like to be conceived. It, he was He's always working like five steps ahead of everybody else in terms of yeah. technology. Yeah. It, notoriously, I remember the stories like Bob Hoskins said it like almost drove him insane <laughs> working yeah. with, with things that weren't there. Yeah, he was always having to tussle and feel and, you know, with, with tunes. <laughs> and uh, I remember he was saying that he has nightmares about tunes while, while we were shooting it. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, how were you with, with the technology? Did you? I, 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 well, I just had Roger Rabbit to deal with. <laughs> and they had a, a, an actor um, a popular comedian who played Roger Rabbit off camera. Right, Charles Fleischer, right? The one who did the Charles voice? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And he'd be off camera and he made up his own zany costume <laughs> and what he could do with his voice and he'd be Roger Rabbit off stage. So that, that, that was great. I mean, it was fun and it was really very helpful. 
uh, to be able to refer to him um, when Roger Rabbit was off. But also when we held Roger Rabbit, Roger Rabbit was maybe, uh, they made a, a Roger Rabbit out of some kind of foam material. Okay. It had real weight. And uh, so we practiced with that and they had a pantomist on hand to sh show what muscles we use to do this or that. So we practiced with the dummy Roger Rabbit and um, a few times and then they take it away, we'd shoot and you know replicate what we learned to do with the dummy. It's funny because like the reason that character in that film works, like ostensibly it's a kid's movie though it's pretty adult, basically Chinatown for kids. Um, mm -hmm. But like you, there's nothing fun about you. You are like a really despicable, scary individual. Yeah, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm serious. <laughs> you were playing it serious. How, how did kids respond to you in the wake of that? Do, you, do kids uh, fear Judge Doom when they know it's you? They seem to love it. And uh, a lot of people will say that it's, they had nightmares and couldn't sleep when they were kids, that, the, the terrifying moments. And that always reminds me that when Walt Disney first made his films, Pinocchio and, and et cetera, seven, you know. Snow White, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I went to see those movies when I was a kid. Sure. And they scared the hell out of me. <laughs> so it was kind of payback. <laughs> You know, there you go. A good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the last people before this crazy year that was the pandemic, the, the last time when I used to do this in person uh, that I chatted with was Barry Sonnenfeld. Um, and he is uh, such a character, such like a, be a beautiful, neurotic genius. Um, yeah. And uh, Adam's <laughs> family was the beginning of his his uh, directing career. Yeah. Uh, do you, I mean, I love those, again, talking about ensembles, I mean, you can't get more perfectly cast than oh, Raul Julia and Angelica no. Houston. I remember sitting around, we were waiting to shoot with the entire Adams family there, you know, uh, Raul Julia and, and the whole, the whole lot. And really feeling around, we're, and we're all in our crazy makeups, but yeah, this is a family. <laughs> yeah, no, more than anything I can think of, like there've been so many adaptations of comics, et cetera, that, that cast really felt like it came out of Charles Adams' yeah. work. Like it just came to life. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I, I, um, when I was a kid, my, my family subscribed to the New Yorker, which always had cartoons. And I'd pick up, you know, and look through the cartoons and there was always a Charles Adams cartoon. Yeah. And sometimes they would be about the Adams family. And Uncle Fester would, right. would be, be in it. And I, and I really, as a kid, I, I dug Fester, you know. He just, he was a, you know, mischievous, kind of evil in a funny kind of way. Uh, and I, his look at everything. So decades later, I get a call when I like, you know, and I, I, I was blown away. I thought, what are the odds? You get, get to play the character you love to, to see Amazing. when you're a kid, you know, so.
Also, also worth noting, one of the great comedy sequels of all time, Adam's Family Values, is just kind of an under, not even underappreciated. I think it, that's now become a cult film too. Yeah. Um, so, so jump, jumping uh, away forward, you know, there are many other films we could mention, but I do want to mention that it was so fun to see you pop up in this uh, this really fun, really bizarre movie, Nobody, with the great Bob Odenkirk. Yes. <laughs> so, did you did you know Bob's work at all? Had you seen Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad? Uh, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, had, you, had you seen Bob Odenkirk's work in in, in comedy or in drama before? I, I've seen his his series. Yeah, Better Call Saul. I've seen a few episodes, mm-hmm. uh, but I hadn't seen anything beyond that. Yeah. Uh, and but. Um, I love the role, you know. I love working with him. I mean, he's he's a good man. Uh, yeah. So what's what what struck you about the role? I mean, this is a guy with a past, a, a man of action. Uh, we haven't seen he, you in this kind he of a thing. Apparently, was like a bad guy's bad guy. I mean, he knew all the game. He knew the game. I don't know, you know, what particular line of of uh, unlawfulness he might have, but I, I you can imagine from the film. And he's kind of retired, you know. Uh, he can't be going out doing that anymore. And then his son, Bob Odenkirk, gets himself into a bit of a bind and a mess, you know. And I come back to help him out. And uh, um, perfect way to go. You know, <laughs> like, so, so nearly 50 years, approaching 50 years after you first stepped on a film set, when you step on a set like nobody, like in the first day, do you have the same kind of excitement, jitters? Does it feel different? What's it? Yeah, I, I usually don't sleep much the night before, you know. But I, I, oh yeah, I, I, I work work on it with the same, you know, same energy and yeah. expectations. I hear that um, King Lear might be. In the offing, are you still planning on performing? Uh, yeah. uh, it's uh, starting rehearsals June first, and will run until Labor Day. And yeah, I'm I'm getting ready for that. That's 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 no small undertaking. It pleases me to no end that you're um, still engaged in the theater. It's no surprise given where you started. But talk to me about has this been on your mind for years? I mean, Lear is like that's the part for for. I, uh, I was back in the sixties when I was doing. I was in three different productions of King Lear, yeah. playing other parts. But I, I never, I never thought, boy, when I'm old enough, I'm going to get to do that. I just, to me, that was a different world, different realm. I didn't even think about it. Then about four or five years ago, uh, it just popped into my head. Why not? <laughs> Why not? You know, and, and I, uh, I am well aware of what I'm getting myself into, yeah. but it's too late to, uh, <laughs> to turn What have I done? But it is, I mean, like, just where we'll see what happens. You know? I'm sure it'll go great, but it, it's gotta be, look for even a, a, an actor half your age, that's an undertaking just to commit that to yeah, memory I'm, and to perform I'm it well. about that, you know, <laughs> coming out in a wheelchair or something. No, <laughs> you'll be fine. I, I, no, I, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's a challenge. Well, I, I, I would, you know, we'll see how the summer takes it. You're going to be in the Berkshires for that, I, I take it? Yes, yeah. Well, maybe maybe I'll pop over there. I'm here in New York, and I'd love to see some live theater again, and I'd love to see oh, you great, on the stage. Great. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I hope I hope I suppressed my geeking out enough for your taste. I hope this was uh, painless enough for you, sir. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yes. I, uh, <laughs> I, um, you know, you, you certainly you've brought so much entertainment to, to my film going life and TV watching life. So I, I thank you for all your efforts and um, and here's to many more. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>